Good evening. How are we? Good. Well, hey, welcome to Genesis. Uh, if it's your first time, special welcome to you. Uh, tonight is a special night at Genesis, as always. God's got great things in store, and I'm excited for it. Um, a couple months ago, uh, some friends and I somehow decided to do the Bulldog Challenge down at the Citadel. And if you don't know, it's a 10K physical endurance thing. Um, in my opinion, I would consider it controlled torture. Uh, but it was fun. And their catchphrase is get wrecked. So if that gives you any inclination as to what it, you know, what it involves, uh, there you go. So I don't know how I got talked into doing this, but I was. And I tried to talk my way out of it by constantly saying, listen, I've never done anything like this. Like you don't know you don't know me, okay? Like, you don't know the trouble I will be during this, okay? So I've never done anything like this, uh, but I couldn't be talked out of it. It didn't work. So we trained for about a month and a half, and then the day came, right? So the day came, and for a 10K is about 6.2 miles, correct? So about quarter of a mile in, I felt like I'd never run a day in my life, and I was like, oh, I'm in so much trouble, this is going to be a long, long day. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's two events within the race. So there's like 18 things, and two of them are linked together, okay? So it's right smack dab in the middle. So the first one is uh, you have to do a fireman's carry for about 300 meters, which is about two and a half football fields. And so what you do, you have a four-man team, and you select one person, uh, usually the lightest person, to be the one that you carry. And so they are deemed the casualty, okay? So they're, they're called the casualty. And then you do that, and then it leads, so you do that, you carry them about 300 meters, and then you get to the MUSC parking garage. And at that point, the same person, the casualty, gets put onto a stretcher, and you have to carry that person up all six or seven floors of the MUSC parking garage. Like, not like the steps, but like the, where the cars drive, okay? So it's a lot more, you know, distance that way. And I don't know, I'm pretty sure the people I was with would agree, but probably the, the fireman's carry wasn't too bad, but the stretcher part was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And I think those guys would agree, except for Jake, because he was the one getting carried. So... So it wasn't too bad for him, but he made up for it later. So, um, so towards the end of the race, we were about a half a mile away from finishing, and I was cramping so bad, and I felt so bad because I felt like I was holding everybody else up, you know, and, 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 and I really, they were like, no, don't worry about it. I was like, listen, this is bad. I, I'm, you know, I'm cramping really bad. I couldn't get rid of it. I, tried, I like stopped and tried to stretch it out, and then like we walked, and I was trying to like shake it out, and like nothing worked, and so I was like, okay, we're going to walk this, but listen, like as soon as we see that finish line, like we were running through the finish line. I, I don't care how bad it hurts. We're going to do it. And, uh, and sure enough, so we did. We saw the finish line. We ran across it, and it was a beautiful thing, and I would do it all again in a heartbeat, or so I would think. So tonight, the message is simple, okay? Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. We are currently in a series called Field of Dreams. Uh, this is week three. In week one, Kevin talked about how we need to eliminate the, the, the noise around us so we can better hear the voice of God. And then in, in, in uh, week two, we talked about how uh, God can bring the super to our natural and do something supernatural in our life. And tonight, uh, in week three, we're going to be talking about how we need friends 
to help us accomplish our God-given dream. And we see this to be true in the movie Field of Dreams, which, like Kevin has said, it is not a Christian movie. Uh, it is rated PG, so be careful. Uh, so <laughs> you can laugh. Uh, so this is rated PG, not necessarily a Christian movie, but it does have a lot of you know cool kind of things you could take from it. And so in this particular scene, we see Ray Costella, I believe is his last name. So we see Ray, he's, got, he's on this mission, and he feels led to go find this guy named Terrence Mann. And Terrence Mann, he's a washed up writer, he's a washed up like social activist type guy, and he's kind of just reclused himself from everybody. And Ray decides to go and find him and take him to a baseball game. And before you know it, Ray ends up befriending this guy, and the guy ends up, you know, liking him back, and they become friends. And so this scene is where we see the relationship grow a little bit. There, there's a lot of, that, that scene was kind of hard to pick because Archie Graham plays a huge part in that movie, but if I were to tell you, I would ruin the whole movie. And so you will find out in the coming weeks why that was important. Uh, so he, more or less, he needed Terrence Mann to, to accomplish the dream that he had been given. And so he had to go find Terrence, and Terrence ended up being won over by what he was doing, and that's why he was traveling with him and, and everything. And we kind of see some walls break down there uh, as he talks to him about his father. And so just as Ray needed Terrence Mann to help him accomplish his dream, so do we need people to help us. And so we see this to be true in uh, Scripture. Uh, we see this to be true in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 2. So if you would turn there with me, um, I'll give you some context while you're doing that. So at this point in Mark chapter 2, uh, we see the, the fame of Jesus is starting to grow, okay? So people are hearing about Jesus. He's been out performing miracles. He's been out preaching the word. He's been out, you know, traveling around, and he's uh, done all of this, and now he's just now getting back home after being out of town. And so you know the feeling, like, when you go on vacation and how exciting it is to leave, but then it's also really exciting to come home, like you get to sleep in your own bed and you get to kind of do your own thing. And so that, that's kind of where, you know, Jesus was at. Wherever he was staying, he considered it home from what the scripture said. And so it was kind of one of those things where like it was fun, you, you know, you kind of enjoyed it, but you're happy to be home. Like people always say, you know, it's great to leave, but it's also great to come back. And so this is where we find Jesus at this moment. He had been gone, now he had come home. And so this is where we pick up the story in verse one. And this is what it says. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. So we see the, the word spread that Jesus is back home. And so people are saying, listen, did you hear Jesus is back? Jesus is back. Jesus is here. And so everyone's flocking to wherever he's staying. And so the, to, the, to the point where the, they crowd the place so bad, the, the room is maxed out completely. Like even to the doors, like people can't even walk out of the door. They're pressed up against the door because of how many people there are in the house. And so if you can imagine that, imagine this room front to back, all the way filled, even to the doors. The fire marshal sign back there says 740 people. Okay, so imagine 740 people packed in here. Okay, and Jesus had just got back home, and here he is. People are saying, he's back. He's back in town. We need to go see him. And so here he is, and out of patience and out of love, what does he do? He starts preaching to them. So then we see what starts happening next in verse 3. It says, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. 
And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So, here we are. We're in this packed out room. Jesus is preaching. And then all of a sudden, part of the roof gets ripped off. And, you know, I can imagine, you know, the sunlight starts pouring in and everyone's eyes kind of just look up. I mean, imagine if that were to happen right now. Okay, that would be kind of out of the ordinary, right? So part of the roof gets removed. The sunlight comes, comes in. The man starts to get lowered down. I don't know how, probably some kind of pulley system that smarter people than me can make. And they start, you know, he starts getting lowered down into the room in front of Jesus. And so basically this group of friends who realized that their friend, their paralyzed friend, needed healing, they realized that there was no room to get to Jesus, and so they decided to go the extra mile and get him there. Because they had a paralyzed friend who needed to be healed, they decided to not just get him to Jesus, but when they realized they couldn't get to him physically, they were like, all right, we're going to go on the roof, rip off part of the roof, and lower him into the room. And so these guys literally went, the extra mile. So they lower the bed that the paralyzed man is on and he's put before Jesus. And it says that when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he looked at him and said, son, your sins are forgiven. And I read this now and I kind of have this new appreciation for the story, I think, because it takes me back to a couple months ago at the Bulldog Challenge, carrying a man on a stretcher and how hard that was. It wasn't just some recreational type thing. Like this was no joke. And the person we had wasn't completely dead weight, but this guy was paralyzed. And so he was heavy. He was completely dead weight. And not only were they carrying him a distance to Jesus, they got him on the roof. They put him on the roof. So these friends went above and beyond to get their friend to Jesus. So let me ask you this tonight. Are your friends pushing you toward Jesus, or are they pushing you away? Are your friends pushing you toward Jesus, or are they pushing you away? This paralytic, he had a dream, right? He had a dream to one day walk, to one day run, to one day do for himself and provide for himself. He had a dream to one day live a life that a normal person would live. And the friends, they bought into the dream, and they're like, listen, we know who can do this for you, so let's take, let's take you to him. We know who can heal you. Who's removing the roof for you in your life? Who is carrying you when you're on your stretcher? Who's carrying you to Jesus? Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. The dreams that you have can be either discouraged or encouraged, depending on who you put yourself around. And we see that to be true in the coming verses. So let's keep reading in Mark 2, chapter, or Mark 2, verse 6. This is what it says. Mark 2, verse 6. It says, uh, Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So we see these scribes, these these Pharisees, sitting there watching these events unfold. And I refer to the Pharisees as the clipboard guys, 
right? It's the ones that sit there with the clipboard and they're like, oh, infraction, and write it down, okay? So they're the ones watching, the ones who take pride in their own performance. These Pharisees are watching this stuff happen and they see him, they see Jesus look to the paralyzed man and say, son, your sins are forgiven. And immediately this, this, this classic you know, Pharisee cynicism and this classic Pharisee jealousy starts to set in and they start questioning the authority of Jesus to forgive sins. And so the paralytic is lying there. He just had an experience with the son of God. And now these religious folks have these bitter feelings inside of them because of it. And this leads me to a big truth for tonight. Is that some people want to see you do good in your life. Some people want to see you succeed in your life. But some people, they want to see you succeed, but never more than they do. Does that make sense? And so a lot of people in your life do truly want to see you succeed, and then there are other people who just don't. And so we see this bitterness, this, this, this speculation starts to come up inside of the Pharisees. And they start having these feelings towards the man who just got his sins forgiven. And it, and, and it just, you know, it makes me think because it's like, you know those people who are like, listen, you know, we're cool as long as we're on the same level. But as soon as you start stepping out a little bit more, as soon as you start succeeding a little bit more than me, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And so I start to have these kind of sinful, bitter feelings about you. And that's kind of what, what's happening here. Like you were great while you're still on our level, but now that you're doing a little bit better, it's kind of getting on our nerves a little bit. And their response to those feelings, they can either derail or sabotage the dream that God has given you if you choose to surround yourself with those people. So we've heard tonight that the message is simple, right? Teamwork makes the dream work. But on the flip side of that, a team divided will end in a dream misguided. A team divided will end in a, in a dream misguided. What if one of the friends carrying the paralytic would have thought, you know, I don't really know if I want him to get healed because what if he turns out to be a faster runner than me? I don't know if I really want this guy to get healed because what if he turns out to be more successful than me? What if he turns out to be a better businessman than me? I'm not sure how I would feel about that. But instead, they buy into his dream of being healed and they carry him to Jesus. And for you, every situation is different. And so you have to be careful on how you navigate through that. But we'll see this one play out in the next few verses. So let's keep reading. This is verse 8. It says this. It says, and immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So Jesus, in a way that only he can do, more or less reads the minds of the Pharisees. It says that he noticed that they were questioning in their hearts, that they're bitter about what just happened. And so he addresses them and he says, why are you feeling this way? Why are you questioning like this? Why do you have these feelings? 
Why are you questioning my authority to forgive sins? But just so you know that I am who I say I am, not only am I going to forgive sins, but I'm also going to heal the guy. And just so you know who I am, I'm going to do both. And so Jesus, he proves himself. He then looks to the paralyzed man on his stretcher, and I can just, I can just imagine the scene, right? So the roof just got ripped off, and there's a man been lowered in front of Jesus, Jesus says his sins are forgiven, and I'm sure every eye in the place was locked in on this situation. Jesus just, Jesus just looked at some Pharisees, read their minds, scolded them about it, about whatever they were thinking, and you've got the four friends up in the ceiling probably looking down at what's going on. And Jesus looks at them and he says, rise, pick up your bed, and walk. And so Jesus proved himself, and not only did he prove himself, but he also proved something else to the rest of the crowd. And he proved them this. He proved that the faith of the friends outweighed the performance of the Pharisees. That the faith of the friends outweighed the performance of the Pharisees. The paralytic ends up getting healed and the Pharisees get yelled at. And so I think in this situation, I don't know about you, but I think I'd rather be a paralytic Now, I believe that many of us in here tonight can probably relate to the paralytic. Because at one point, that was us, right? We were paralyzed by sin. We were dead in our sin. And someone, someone who cared about us and someone who loved us, they pointed us to Jesus. And they said, he is your only hope. He's the one you need to get in front of. He's the one that needs to heal you. That he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the one that died in our place, the one that died instead of us, died the death that we should have died. Three days later, defeated death, rose again, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us so that we can be clothed in the righteousness of the Son and that we are justified in the eyes of the Father. So now, If you're in here tonight and you're the paralytic and you've been healed, now it's your job to be the ones carrying the stretcher. Now it's your job to carry your friends to Jesus. And so tonight I I asked you the question, who, who, who is pointing you to Jesus? Who's carrying you to Jesus? Who's removing the roof for you? But we can also flip that question on its head. Who are you removing the roof for? Who are you carrying to Jesus? Who are you helping accomplish their God-given dream? Teamwork makes the dream work. Is your team united or divided? The, um, The story is almost over. So let's read the last verse and we will see how it ends. This is verse 12. It says, and he rose, the paralytic. He rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So the man gets healed. The paralytic gets healed, and he leaves praising and glorifying God. And I love how this story ends. Everyone leaves saying, we've never seen anything like this. And I have a hard time believing that they weren't saying that as the man was being lowered down through the roof, right? 
You ever hear those stories where you think you hear the crazy part, but then it gets crazier? As a guy's getting lowered through the roof, you know, it's like, I've never seen anything like this. And then he gets healed, and it's like, I've really never seen anything like this. It's amazing. When you have friends who are pushing you to Jesus and pushing you towards your God-given dream, it may very well end with somebody saying, wow, I've never seen anything like this. I get taken back again to before the Bulldog Challenge, and I was trying to talk myself out of it. And what was I, what was I saying? I've never done anything like this. You don't know what you're getting yourself into? I've never done anything like this before. So I believe that oftentimes your dream will start with you thinking, I've never done anything like this, but it will end with others saying, I've never seen anything like that. Your dream might start with you thinking, I've never done anything like this before. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. These people don't understand me. I'm too far gone. I'm too sinful. Did the paralyzed man ever say, don't heal me. I'm too paralyzed. No. Your dream might start with you thinking you've never done anything like this. But it will end with someone else saying, I've never seen anything like that. Teamwork makes the dream work. And teamwork makes the dream a reality. I want to ask the band to come back up. Tonight we are uh, we're going to respond, and I don't think that a response to this message would be anything other than us getting an opportunity to carry each other to Jesus. And so tonight, what I want us to do is while they play, they're going to start a song. They're going to play just some instrumental stuff, and then eventually they're going to go into a song. But while they're doing that, I would love for you guys to get in groups of two or three or four and pray for each other. Take them to Jesus. Remove the roof for them. It says, when Jesus saw the faith of the friends. So tonight you get the opportunity to be the friend for somebody, to carry them to the person that can heal them. And this is what it's all about. Praying over the needs of others, carrying people to Jesus, walking with people through the hard times of life. This is what it's all about. This is what Jesus has called us to do. And I was thinking earlier this week, man, if if my hair goes gray over the needs of people, then I will go gray with a smile on my face. And I hope you can feel the same way tonight. So as they play, go ahead and get together. I'm gonna pray really quick. You guys can do that. So let me pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for the cross that even though we didn't deserve it, God, you sent your son to be the perfect sacrifice for us that we didn't have to go through that. You did it for us. So now we can, we can be clothed in the righteousness of the son and experience you and one day get to be with you. And we can be justified in the eyes of the Father. So God, we thank you. We thank you for the blood that was shed for us. And we thank you for the story in Mark chapter two, where we see some amazing friends not get worried 
about what the guy will turn out to be, but instead worrying about the fact that he needs to be healed. And they carried him to you and they put forth the effort and they removed the roof for him. And Jesus, you looked at him, you said, your sins are forgiven, rise, get up, go home, you're healed. So tonight, I'm believing that we're gonna see some people get off their mat tonight, get off their stretcher, experience some healing. And tonight, we'll see some people rise up, get up, pick up their mat, and walk out of here with a newfound faith in who you are. So God, tonight, as we carry each other to you, God, I pray your hand will be upon us, your grace would cover us, and we'd experience you like we never have before. God, we're going to walk out of this place thinking we've never seen anything like this. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.